Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi everyone. You have arrived at Characters on the Couch. I'm Jordana Horn and I am here with my dear friend, Dr. Adam Stern. Hi there. And we're going to be chatting all about analysis of fictional people. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Characters on the Couch. I'm Jordana Horn. I am here with my friend, Dr. Adam Stern. Hello, everybody. (laughs) That's where I always pause and I let you say your little hello. Today, we are going to be talking about a super fun show, The Sex Lives of College Girls, which... Uh, sounds a lot more tawdry than it actually is. It's um, a Mindy Kaling special. It's basically, Adam and I were just talking before about how this is really never have I ever for the next age bracket. So never have I ever focuses on high school dilemmas and crushes and unrequited love. And now we move up to this idyllic college campus in Vermont where we have our four roommates who are placed there freshman year randomly. They don't know each other before. And it turns out maybe they don't really know themselves either. And and mm. all of them are trying to figure that out. So I, I had said to Adam before that maybe we'll start um, by talking about this era in life, at least within the context of like the American college mm-hmm. experience Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it seems to be pretty ripe for uh, psychological analysis. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I, I love about um, sort of American college culture, which some people find offensive, is that it's not really very much about education. <laughs> no, it is. You know, like well, not, 90% not, 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 the, bu- not book learning. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's funny because they, it's like you sort of squeeze in the book learning, like you got to do it. Like I had to do the pre-med classes and do well enough to get into med school. And and then I explored all these other classes and, you know, had to do well enough not to sink my GPA. But, but like all of that aside, when I think of college, like I don't think of the classes at all, you know, I mean, I do have sort of nightmares about organic chemistry, (laughs) but, but mostly I think about the people and the time and, and, and the time, sort of figuring out who I wanted to be and who I thought I was and who I became as a young adult. Uh, I think that's what it's all about. And I love how they sort of, you know, they've, they've sort of weaved that into the show in a way that is very natural and funny and charming and, you know, in a way that only Mindy Kaling and company can do. Right. And the American model, as, as those of us in America know, is that for the most part, you're at home, 
you know, with your parents, family, caregivers until you hit around 18 years old. And then you're in this, you know, this environment that is, yes, you do have classes, but it's also a little bit of the summer camp kind of feel to it in that you're away from home, you're untethered um, from your expectations of your parents and the people who knew you since you were in diapers. Mm -hmm. And now you have this opportunity to create who you are or who you want to be. And Mm -hmm. so let's talk about each one of these. uh, Yeah. I want to say girls because of the title, but these women and who they are becoming. Can we start with Bella? Yeah. So Bella, uh, as I understand it, is from a South Asian family uh, where the expectation is that she will do well in a scientific field. And her entire sort of uh, persona, uh, uh, she's of all the characters, she probably comes in with the most well-defined identity, you know, of self, like who she thinks she is. She loves comedy writing. She loves... Uh, humor, and she right in from the very first episode identifies herself as sex positive, and so is always sort of pushing the envelope with the group about the norms of what's acceptable in in terms of sex and and interpersonal interactions and that kind of thing. She's a really great, like lively character for the for the whole show. Yeah, I didn't really get the sense that she had too much opportunity to act on her sex positivity. Um, within the context of her high school experience. And so now it's sort of like the gates are open and she's just running in to create this new life for herself as someone who will have all the sex that she wants. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sex positive is the way to put it, even though that's not a term that I was familiar with at all in college. I think that... It's really, I I think it's very empowering, even though I will add that, how do I put this? I think that, you know, we talk about creating your own identity, but Mm -hmm. when you're creating your own identity through sex, you are at least in part operating through the lenses of your partners as well as Mm. yourself. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think that that, let's talk a little bit about about some of the other characters with it because each one of them has like their identity mm-hmm. but determined through sex and through their interactions with others mm. and I'll, I'll add to that that because I agree that that you can every character has a plot line involving sex or romance and yet at the same time every character also has, has a, a whole sort of identity wrapped around who their parents think they are and who they want to be, you know? Correct. And, and like, I feel like those are the two threads that you can just take out, you know, a, a, across these years that we're going to watch these kids grow up, um, these young, young women grow up is, is like, and, and yeah, to your point, like the, you know, the sex positivity that Bella embraces, I think that, that uh, it's complicated because obviously sex is complicated, particularly in a place as uh, rife with, you know, challenges and interpersonal sort of belonging and not belonging as, as you know, like, like Greek life can be and, and that kind of thing. So there's a, I don't know, there's a certain 
empowerment, but as the viewer, you're also watching it with a little bit, at, at least as a parent, you know, as a, a middle-aged man, shall I say, I'm watching it with like a, oh, Belle, be careful, uh, you know, kind of a... <laughs> right, right. Um, I think it would probably be much more fun to watch the show, not as a parent, uh, <laughs> because as a parent, it's, um, it, yes, it's it's very irritating in that, in that way, actually. But I, I want to talk a little bit about I want to talk about the, like, uh, what raises your alarm bells, if anything, as a psychiatrist about mm-hmm. this period of life and about, I mean, obviously, yes, as a parent, you're, you know, there's there's this feeling of don't go in there, mm-hmm. like, that we have a lot. But what about, but what about as a medical professional? What about, like, yeah. what what do you have to say about the perhaps unique volatility of this age group as opposed to people in their 30s and 40s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's no coincidence that, you know, there's a whole niche within within psychiatry of adolescent psychiatry and, and even sort of college psychiatry. It's not like an accredited, uh, boarded field, but it exists. Like there's a whole community and career path that you can take where you're like a psychiatrist for kids in college. I have friends uh, that, you know, in particular... Friends of like classmates, excuse me, people who trained with uh, my wife, who's a child psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Now some of them work in some of the local universities. You know, this is a this is a major, major, major in real life area of need because college is among everything a super stressful time that often naturally is the first time that mental health comes an issue. So a lot of mental health disorders, things like bipolar disorder, even psychosis, schizophrenia, uh, emerge for the very first time in a noticeable way during late adolescence, early adulthood. And then on top of that, for most young uh, adults, it's the first time they've been living away from home for long periods. Mm -hmm. It's the first time they have a real degree of independence. And with that independence comes responsibility and on top of that, they're they're tasked with doing well in school, with making new friends in a new place. Doing their laundry. The, yeah, I mean, literally things that they may or may not have ever done before. So now, the, why is it separated biologically? It's separated because, you know, as before we started recording, you, you, you mentioned this fairly well-known concept that like the brain is still developing really into the mid twenties. <laughs> no matter uh, how lot. much in college you want to stop that through alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There there there's continuing development. In particular, there's an idea that the prefrontal lobes, the parts of the brain that are really, you know, that we don't share with a lot of lower mammals, uh, shall we say, you know, the parts of the brain that really allow us to tap the brakes on impulses, mm. on some of our more base desires that let us inhibit ourselves. Yeah. When you have a thought and you then realize I'm not going to say that thought out loud, uh, that's frontal lobe kicking in mm. right there for you. And so there's also a concept within adolescent psychiatry and medicine in general that, and society at large, that teenagers feel like they're immortal. They don't take the same risk assessment that we do as as adults nor as they might have as a five-year-old, right? So, you know, there, there's there's no, it's not a coincidence that things like um, spe- speeding tickets and reckless driving charges and, you know, uh, things that are sort of either either crimes or, or just, you know, frankly, uh, bad outcomes, sad, terrible, tragic outcomes, a lot of them 
happen around this age because there's an imbalance between their ability, which is that of a fully functioning human being able to drive and able to live independently and make choices for themselves and the freedoms that they have. And there's also a deficit that that's sort of widely accepted. That over time through experience and also biological development sort of fills in during these years. So it's an interesting, challenging time, I would say, for, for everyone. <sighs> for everyone. I would say as a parent myself of a freshman in college and a senior in high school, you know, I'm right like on the cusp of, of this whole thing. And I think that... I want to talk a little bit about, before going into a more in-depth character analysis, about this process of individuation um, mm. that takes place at this moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th this is such a fascinating topic to me because it is seen in nature. It's seen in, you know... <laughs> prides of lions, you know, that where, where like a male will like come, uh, go through adolescence, uh, whatever the lion version of adolescence is and <laughs> right. like go off into the, into the jungle or, you know, wherever they are and do, uh, find a certain degree of independence and, and they have to do that. That's sort of part of their life cycle before, you know, having a, a pride, uh, of, of their own, shall mm -hmm. we say. And this exists, this exists across the landscape in, in lots of different species in, and even in human history, there were, as I understand it, like large periods of time where, you know, I mean, she's even the concept of sending kids off to war, at age 18, you know, is like a terrible consequence of this concept, you know, like they're able-bodied, they're never going to be more able-bodied than they are right at that moment. Right. They are not wise or experienced necessarily enough to, to always make the choices that they would, you know, 10 years later, uh, they might, they, they're certainly used to sort of being told what to do for the last 18 years of their life. So there's a certain degree, you know, even dating back to the Crusades, there was like a certain degree of like, all right, now that when the kid becomes uh, a certain age, we send them, you know, a thousand miles away to fight in a war that they have no idea about, you know, or that they didn't choose to start, right. you know. Anyway, that kind of, I'm on a soapbox now, but let me let me hop off and, and just say like there's definitely a degree of you have to get away from your nest to really stretch the analogy in order to figure out who you are and separate from the people that raised you and, and ideally on the other end of it really end up in a place of maturity, independence, feeling like you have a sense of self. Sure, ideally that happens. Um, but I would say that in this in individuation process, you see, I think that sex is part of it. Friendships are part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're sort of trying to, you're sort of trying to do a DIY version of family, for yourself, mm -hmm. um, creating a support system. And that's what these roommates do, right? They're all, you know, just thrown together. In an, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm going to give college administrators the deference. I, I will say that the randomized questionnaires that they do, like now they are more mindful of putting people, you know, they don't want to put a smoker together with whatever. Uh -huh. But like, I mean, it's so it's, it's not just like, you know, pulling names out of a hat. It, it uh -huh. is more, but it, but it is contrived in a way of 
what sort of experimental wanting to see what the interactions between these people will be like and what they will yield. And so I'm thinking about, you know, on the show, Leighton is very mm-hmm. um, old money and she comes from a very well-heeled family that, you know, has longstanding institutional connections to to the school, but she's gay and she has never... I, I think, if I'm recalling correctly, she's never felt comfortable like embracing yeah. that part of her identity because she's also. Can you talk a little bit about that that sexuality and gender identity struggle? Which I think actually, I don't know. I guess it depends on where you live in in the United States sure. and you know what prevailing attitudes are. But certainly, I think it's inarguable that for the most part, unless you're going to a particularly religious college or university, for the most part, there's a more open, yeah. you know, mentality right. at college and university right. than there is. Yeah. It, within the show, and I do love this storyline, I think it's very well done, but within the show, I am struck as a viewer here in the year 2022, thinking about what college culture must be like. And uh, I'm struck that you know, this character's perception of how she'll be received as a gay woman is distorted compared to like, you know, like the support that she probably would and acceptance that, that at most colleges, at least that I, that, you know, that, that the way I think about most colleges that I'm familiar with, but again, it's been a few years. But I think so. she was more afraid of more being pigeonholed, yeah. you know, in other words, that she had grown up with the you know, because everyone, right, deals with other people in shorthand, right? They see mm-hmm. you as whether it's like with Whitney, another character, like she's the soccer girl, you know, or they, they slap a label on you and it's sort of like the shorthand. So I think that she's talking about, well, do I really want to make that transition yeah. from being the wealthy alpha girl mm-hmm. to gay being the first thing that people right. think of when they see me? Right. And yeah, so... If I, I I thought a little bit about the eventual question of like which of these characters or how would you approach a therapy with some of these characters and and Leighton was the one that I thought there was the most it's the most obvious sort of tension to try to work with because she has it in it she seems to describe having it in her head that she by coming out or by even openly living the sexual life that she wants to have, she will be, she will, she has it in her head that she will have to change, be pigeonholed. She describes not wanting to be like this uh, girlfriend that she had and a secret girlfriend that she had in season one in a more, you know, visible way as though, you know, immediately by coming out, she'd have to stop dressing the way she did, or she'd have to stop looking, you know, uh, as, you know, the, the way that the character is portrayed, she's, she's very, very, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but like you said, she comes from old money, and so she's she's always extraordinarily conservatively dressed in a way that is youthful. I don't know how to. It's it's a. Mm-hmm. It's, anyway, nobody comes to me for fashion descriptions. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, let me let me just get back on track and say the work with her uh, is, I think, pretty clear. I would take a CBT approach, a cognitive behavioral therapy approach with trying to identify where there are cognitive distortions and automatic thoughts, right? So these are things that our brains tell us without us even realizing that 
they're not without us necessarily even having the the opportunity to challenge them, right? So she has this automatic thought that if she comes out, she'll have to start acting differently or looking differently or being identified by other people, strangers on the street differently, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that those are things you can very nicely challenge with exercises designed to help you take countervailing views of of ideas. Uh, She could actually make a lot of progress by you know, uh, identifying that she, you know, she can't necessarily control the homophobia that may exist in the world and the way that people see people who are out, but she can set, definitely control the parts of her life that she wants to live, including how she dresses and how she, you know, none of that has to change just because she comes out. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Let's talk a little bit about Kimberly and uh, particularly Kimberly and Nico. Okay. So Nico is uh, Leighton's brother, older brother. Yeah. Part of the frat life, the Greek life at that college. And which we've got to spend at least one or two minutes talking about the college uh, because I had a whole, I went down a whole, uh, oh boy. Rabbit hole is what you're trying to, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I went down a whole rabbit hole because I was like, they do these beautiful aerial shots of this campus. Yeah, I think it's Vassar, right? Right. So, so. You could have just come to me, Adam. Yeah, I should have just asked you. (laughs) You know, Mindy Kaling sort of famously went to Dartmouth and I'm like, okay, this is a stand-in for Dartmouth. It kind of looks like Dartmouth to me, I think. It's also, they say it's in Vermont and Dartmouth is in New New England and, you know, like, okay. Uh, But then I I was like, these these are beautiful buildings. Mm -hmm. It's a beautifully manicured campus. I was like, I got to know. So I Googled it and it's Vassar. Mm -hmm. I've never been to Vassar, but now I'm like really curious to know is it as... It, as beautiful as the as the show makes it seem. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long winded way. Of, yeah, uh, it's that. fine. And but but Nico is also beautiful, so that's a an easy transition. Nico, just like Never Have I Ever, they do they really flip the script in the show, and like most of the men are objectified. Oh, oh beyond, <laughs> beyond, exactly. exactly. Um, and and really I, like, I think that's done in a very tongue in cheek yeah. kind of way. Yeah, it's it's self-aware and and sort of refreshingly uh, funny and and kind of kind of kind of cool how how they're able to flip it in, in a good way. Also, apparently, an admission standard for the school was that the men had to have like six packs. Yeah, right, right, um, right, right. So, yeah, I mean, respect, you know, but yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I'm, I'm looking around for the, the guys that don't have the six packs and I'm like, where are they? Oh, they are not on camera. They are not. No, <laughs> no. 
All right. So so that's Nico, the older brother. How shall we describe? I mean, Kimberly's like she's she's the country mouse. Like to me, she was the most sort of tropey of everybody because she's, you know, she comes, she comes from Arizona. So she's really out of her element in every possible way. She, it's a, she's never been in this kind of semi-elitist environment. She is, she's on a a fellowship or work study. Right. And so she's, she definitely feels like financially not on par, certainly not with Leighton, but even mm-hmm. but even more like the average student. So she's working all the time. So she feels that responsibility. So she feel she felt more prototypical to me of um, and you know in in some ways was the least interesting yeah. of the characters because she was kind of a caricature. But I'm yeah. intrigued by. The thing, if you could talk about the thing between her and Nico. Yeah, so, so you know, she is to some extent a fish out of water within this group. She's never, I don't know, she has, in the, in the early goings of season one, she has like a long-term boyfriend who they really poke fun at. Uh, you know, they, they, they really like uh, reveal him to be just like the worst of the worst. And so they set her up as a little bit of a sad sack, you know, case, uh, you know, and, and she through various, you know, sort of coincidences and circumstances ends up being intoxicated and asking Leighton's older brother to tutor her in this French class that she wants to take and do well in. And, and there's a flirtation that sort of develops he comments on her Instagram feed and then deletes it and they dissect what that means. And, you know, I have to be very frank. My wife and I both agreed. She said it and I agreed that like this plot line for us, this was the least believable plot line. Correct. And it was, I don't know why, because, you know, I, I can't exactly, she's very funny in, in season one. She's very funny in general, but she, I didn't feel all right. So obviously, as always, spoilers. Like it's revealed that Nico has a girlfriend abroad after two or three episodes of of uh, him, you know, uh, cheating on that girlfriend secretly uh, with our our uh, roommate Kimberly, right. right? And so, like, I don't know. Something about that plot line didn't ring true because there was this like disparity in how they portrayed them the charm of Kimberly didn't sort of enter the relationship at any point. But the way that they wrote the show, it was sort of like all this great sex that was happening. And it was a, a re they, they sort of um, put it together with this identity issue of her prioritizing sex over her academics, over her work and it, and, and her mom visits and she says, this isn't you, something's changed and I just want you to be aware of it. And, you know, and then that, that's how they sort of present it. Like somehow it's acting out. It's not really her. And I think, I think there's something useful about eventually it, you know, she'll emerge from this situation, uh, not the way that her mom remembers her and not the way she was during that affair, mm-hmm. but actually somewhere in between, right. Or somewhere new and totally different. Right. Right. If you had people that you were seeing who were about to go to college, what advice 
would you give them? I mean, I realize it's not one size fits all advice, but but it sort of is in the sense that everyone is going through, regardless of what path they're taking, everyone is going to go through a similar, a similar, you know, liminal moment. Yeah, yeah. I'm laughing a little bit because I have a, a beloved a younger cousin. I was eight when she was born. Mm. And so when she was going off to college, and I have an older brother who's three years older than I am. And uh, it just so happens my brother and I went to the same college. So we had one year of overlap. And so when when my uh, cousin was going to college, uh, she, uh, I don't remember, I don't remember exactly how we came to this conversation, but separately and independently, my brother and I gave her some advice. And my, my advice was essentially, as I recall it, like, look, there's going to be a lot, a lot going on. You're going to want to sign up for a lot of things, activities, and you're going to want to hang out with all kinds of different people. And, and, uh, my advice was at that time, this was years ago, she's like a PhD candidate now. My advice at that time was basically like, just, you know, tap on the brakes. Like it's a long four years, you know, it's going to, you're going to figure things out as you go. Like it's sort of like, I don't know how to put it into words exactly. Like but pace sort of like, yourself. I mean, pace yourself. Yeah. yeah. College is so overwhelmingly cool in all these ways, but I found myself like overextending being pulled in eight different directions, socially, academically, emotionally, you know, so you're right, a general idea of like pace yourself. And then later I found, I was like, oh, I said to my brother, I talked to her cousin and I gave her some advice and he's like, oh, I did too. I told her, take risks, do everything. (laughs) And you're like, huh, okay. Yeah. Exactly the opposite of what I said. Uh, You know, so I don't know. He gave gave the Bella advice. Yeah. He right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it seems to be happy and she also, but, but, you know, side note, she also seems to not care that much about her grade. So, Mm. you know, you can take all the risks you want when, (laughs) when you don't care about your grades and when your tuition isn't in jeopardy, you know, then, Mm -hmm. uh, then sure you can take more risks, but we didn't talk about Whitney at all. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that to me, as a non-psychologically... Senator? Oh. No, but I'm, I'm just saying, in other words, she, her mother's a senator. Mm-hmm. She has grown up in the shadow of a powerful yep. parent. Yep. I don't think that it's so strange that that would translate into her having yeah. a relationship, an inappropriate relationship with the authority figure, with the coach of her yep. soccer team. Yeah. Right. Uh, Her character, I think very much, you you astutely point out, like can be viewed through the lens of a rebellion because she's been and continues to be under the microscope. You know, she, her behavior has the potential to really negatively impact her very, very, very powerful, famous mother. And so that's a driving force to engage in some, you know, secretly bad behavior, because if you do even benign things openly, it can reflect badly on your mother. They all, then everything's got to be a secret, you know? And if everything's a secret, then that opens some, some really potentially devastating doors. At the same time, you know, I think that, 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 you know, that, that coach student athlete relationship can be really uh, great and it can be really, really bad. When it goes bad, it can be really bad, you know? And so, you know, that's, a storyline that 
That was another one. I mean, the story, the show is so good, but certain storylines you just watch and you sort of cringe because you you ha- you have a sense of like how it's going to go bad at some point. Yeah, but you know, I think that that's a very it's a very valuable thing to talk about this idea of the appeal of people in positions of power when you yourself feel newly vulnerable and alone, mm-hmm. and how at this stage of life that may seem particularly appealing. For some people, yeah. you know, and and validating, yeah, and and there's a there is a cohort of uh, there's a cohort of of student athletes where they've been training their whole lives, whether they knew it or not. You know, they've been training for the majority of their lives in this to to be able to play a sport at a college level. You have to be like really good, and there's you know, I was randomly assigned to be on like a freshman unit with a whole cohort of gymnasts. Oh, that's really, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's, there's a whole, whole, if any of you are listening, hey out there, uh, hope to see you at the next reunion. But, you know, we were really close for, for a while and one of my college girlfriends was, was a gymnast. Anyway, didn't expect to go there during this podcast. No, it's okay. Uh, Welcome. But, but I, and, and, and some of my college, I ended up uh, friendly with a couple of basketball players. They were also on the unit. I don't know how this, ha- how it all went, uh, but somehow there were a lot of college athletes in this particular freshman unit. So my point is that I had a little bit of access to the the idea of being a student athlete at at a, a sort of academically oriented place, and it's it's a weird world uh, because right. they've had to be really good. They're they're also, by the way part of their application, you know, is that they're really good at this sport, you know, like that's part of the school looked at them and said, like, academically, you're good, but also like, you're really good at soccer in Whitney's case, you know, and and that's a weird dynamic too. And they get really close and with each other, they get really close with their coaches. And I think to your earlier point, there is a, a need for, that coaching that coaching relationship is really intense and also really can be really validating can be really supportive and also if like i said if it goes badly or if there's a predatory kind of thing it can be awful mm, yeah so did this make you glad that you weren't in college anymore or sad you know what my my wife said the other day as we we're watching she was like I'm just so glad social media didn't exist when, oh, I mean, it actually, so like the, glad. the original like version, the very first version of Facebook, which was literally just a Facebook, like of a, a picture and a name and, you know, the school rolled out when we were like exiting college basically, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so complicated that social media exists in this world. I can't really frankly imagine it. So, you know, I love uh, when I think of the epics of my life, the periods of my life. Like college is one of one of the, my favorites for all kinds of reasons. I don't know what it's like these days. I mean, if it's like this, it <laughs> seems know, fun. It seems fun, <laughs> <laughs> but also it was fun, fun, but also full of uh, danger. You know? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. No, I'm I'm very happy uh, right now in my sweatpants. <laughs> Not having to uh, parade in front of anybody. Thanks. This is fun. This is always fun to talk with you, Jordana. And, you know, this show is fun. I recommend it to anyone. It's also a little bit more 
you know, I, this this is a random tidbit, but like I was like, okay, this will just be like Never Have I Ever, and I looked for it on Hulu and I couldn't find it, and then I was like, I wonder. I googled it and it's like HBO Max. And I was like, oh, okay, I wasn't ready for that, and then and then it's like. It's it's more grown up, you know, like it's it's actually like a show that would be on HBO, you know, the old HBO or the current HBO for that matter. Like it's it's a more adult show than I was anticipating just based on the premise uh, and the creator. So uh, if you haven't, we've we've spoiled everything, but if you haven't watched it, we haven't you know, spoiled everything. Um, and it's it's a lot of a lot of laughs and it's a fun, easy show. And, um, but I will say that my high school senior came in and was like, what are you watching? He was appalled. <laughs> he was appalled. He's like, you guys are gross. I said, I said, no, 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 I'm watching it for the show. <laughs> and he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and he left. Can I, can I quote you to, to close out the episode? Can I paraphrase? Cause I don't have it in front of me, but we were emailing mm-hmm. and or texting and, I said something about being in denial until Mindy Kaling corrects me. And you said, that's that's pretty good advice just in general for parenting and adolescence, like yes. be in active denial unless Mindy Kaling says not to. And she, has, and she hasn't called yet. So yeah. so we're good to no, go. We're good. Yeah, we're good. We're set. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Bye. Please be advised that Characters on the Couch is a show focused only on fictional people and none of the content should be considered medical or professional advice in any way. If you or someone you know is struggling with your mental health, please seek out professional consultation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hope to see you guys next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.